Hi there, you're listening to Cinema Cult, where we pick a weekly movie genre, review a movie with that specific theme, and discuss where the genre's going, where it's been, and figure out what significance it ultimately plays in cinema's history. As expected, there will be spoilers, and F-bombs are dropped pretty frequently. This week's genre is anthology films, and the movie we picked to start off the conversation is the 2007 film Trick or Treat. I'm Chris. I'm Matt. And I'm Hanto. Alright, let's go ahead and dive right into it. Um... This movie's made up of five different segments that are all intertwined. Um, basically, we're just going to break this down segment by segment. Let's go ahead and start off with the intro. Uh, basically, what happens in the intro is we have this couple that's coming back from a Halloween parade. There's really not much to the story, just kind of a starter off to the movie in general. What did everybody think of this intro slash wraparound story? Uh, I got a lot of stuff about this intro. Really? Okay. okay. I don't have much on it. I think it's pretty so- like a good start. I think it's a good start. To I it. thought it was a pretty lame start. What? Uh, <laughs> a couple things that I have a problem with. This girl is so anti-Halloween that she is going to take down the decorations on Halloween night, but yet she goes through the effort to make her own robot costume. By the way, it's the only costume in the entire movie that's homemade, and and then she goes through the effort of decorating her, and like extremely decorating her front yard, That there's, there's but she's so anti-Halloween. I don't think she's anti-Halloween. Why she's, is she taking it down? She says because her mom's going to be there in the morning and she's going to freak out if she sees all that stuff. That's not... That's just, okay, which brings me to the biggest like issue with this. This is such a lame plot device to sit there and be like, oh, I have to clean this stuff up on Halloween night. And on top of that, is there is it an actual rule that if you blow out a pumpkin that it's bad luck it's on superstition. Halloween night? Is that a superstition or is that made up? It is now. I've a superstition is made up. That doesn't make any sense. No, no, I meant like, is it made up for the movie or is it an actual? Well, maybe it's a new superstition they're starting. I don't know. I don't believe it. Um, well, that's why it's a superstition. You don't have to believe it. I don't know. It was a it was a rule that I just I, I wasn't buying. This is very nitpicky. Yeah. I, no, no. If this is a if this is a rule and this is how like actual people got killed, then I would be dead already for something this lame. I couldn't buy the intro. I thought the intro was awful. Well, I thought it was a dumb plot device. Basically what happens is she has to clean up all the Halloween stuff. He tries to talk his wife into going upstairs and having sex. And she's like, all right, I'll clean up. You go upstairs and get ready. Which I don't know what a guy has to do to get ready. I was actually thinking about, like, you get yeah. ready. Like, I'm a guy. I don't have much to get ready. I just kind of go for it. And he pulls out Boner Jams out of seven. But, yeah, and he... <laughs> well, that's what he's doing. He's going through all the years. He's like, ah, oh, man, he's like, don't want to do it with three or nine. I don't know. No, he puts in this uh, VHS of, like, what was it, Nature Sound? No, <laughs> I thought it was just a blank VHS. No, no, it said, like, oh, Nature it? Documentary. Or nature something. Documentary. So the, the the husband puts in this porn tape. He hears his wife scream, but it, he thinks it's the porno. He goes outside to check on her. What ends up happening is she's been killed while she's cleaning up those decorations. And what, she's, what they have in their yard are these, like, crosses that have these blankets on it that look like ghosts. Like and, ghosts and scarecrows, I guess. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And when he pulls off one of the sheets, it's his wife. And what does she have in her mouth? I think it's the uh, like the pumpkin lollipop yeah. that the, the little guy is using to kill people. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, okay. I think he just like stuffed it in her mouth, basically. Okay. Yeah. So the 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 wife's dead. Um, some I don't know. Like I said, it's just like kind of like an intro. There's not much to the story. It's just kind of start off like the mood for the movie, kind of like your mood setter, if you will. Um, these characters with all the same characters in every segment. You see him in other segments. So you'll see the the husband and the wife at the parade later on in the movie. Then you see him at the end again, just kind of wrap around the story. Did anybody else have any other thoughts on this segment? Uh, besides it being pretty lame. <laughs> man, I... 
I thought it was just it was it's so like a ten stupid. minute starter. It's not I know, stuff. but it was just immediately it's like, hey, you're watching uh something dumb. What would you have preferred <laughs> then? Huh? What would you have preferred? How would you have done okay. it differently? How would you All have right. done it differently? Here's my biggest thing with this movie. This movie does not work as a rated R movie. This movie, like I've said this before uh, a couple of times, this movie should have been a kid's movie. Like it should have been a really grim, demented kids movie. Like a Joe Dante or whatever. Yeah. Like a gremlin, like a Joe Dirte, like a Joe Dirte, no, <laughs> Joe almost, like a, almost like in a gremlin's aspect, because like the best story in this entire movie is the one with the kids in the bus, and it's the only yeah, one I where you so. actually feel actual fear for the characters. Okay. You're jumping really ahead on this. No, one. no, all right, but I'm saying like I'm gonna say this now because now with this idea out there, like think about every story as if it was just kids and not adults. I think it tries too hard to be a rated R movie. When it should just let itself be something like be a Halloween kids movie that's a horror, like an actual physical horror movie for kids, not a, not like a Halloween movie for kids, like yeah, a horror movie. But there's for not kids. a lot of good horror movies for adults. Like this is a fun horror movie yeah. for adults. Yeah, but you know what though? But every, after every, having no, no, after having like all the like, tons this, of, what are you talking no, about? There's tons not, of horror movies no, for adults. No, no, you got your saws and your stuff like that. But this is like a fun trick or treat movie for adults. There's it, no fun Halloween movies for adults. Oh. What? Give, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? Give me examples. Halloween. No, no, There's I, one that, that, called that's not the fun. title of the holiday. No, that's not fun. I'm talking about like a fun like horror film. It's yeah, but I, I it doesn't it doesn't know what it wants to be whether it's fun or scary. You say that every single week. You and Chris always say that. What? You don't know what this movie wants to be. Well, uh, come on. We're, I know what this movie wants to be. Yeah, no, a but, fun horror movie for yeah, adults. No, it's supposed to be a fun horror movie anthology. for adults. For, sorry, a fun movie for adults. Fun horror no, movie sorry, for adults. Fun horror movie for adults. For adults. For adults. There you go. That's stupid. That's adults, that's adults, right? Yeah, you did. You said it right. <laughs> this movie could have been so much more successful if it was for kids, because it could have actually it had, and it would have had some driving power. But you know what? It just it falls right into the list of all the other extremely rated R horror movies that struggle to be. This ain't your kids' goosebumps movie. Yeah, yeah, this isn't your kids' goosebumps movie. Yep. All right. Well, regardless what the movie's trying to be, um, we'll continue to break it on throughout the segments. Um, after this little intro wrap around, we do have the opening credits. I really like the opening credits. I think it's another good mood setter for what we're about to see. Yeah, it reminded me of uh, Creepshow's like kind of introduction. It did. It was very Creepshow-ish. Comic book style. Yeah, and I think that was another way to tell this adult audience that it's not your kid's Goosebumps movie. This isn't your kid's Goosebumps movie. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's supposed to be like, you, you you know you're watching this movie... You're trying to figure out what it's supposed to be. So when you have these adults watching this movie, they're like, all right, what am I watching here? Is it like a Saul-type movie? Is it for kids? And I feel like this intro credit kind of gives you like, hey, it's a Halloween movie for adults. I, I know say, it's, it's kind of going back to the conversation. basically a throwback to Creepshow. It's what it is. It is, and I'll give it to you. It feels that way. Yeah, there's a lot of Creepshow relations in this movie. Well, and I think you're going to get that because it's probably, I mean, it's not a, Creepshow's not a huge movie, but as far as anthologies are concerned, that's kind of like the mother movie of anthologies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, just to jump into another segment here, um, I call this one Girls. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Basically, what we have is these uh, four girls, two of them are sisters. They're shopping for costumes on Halloween night. You get this whole idea throughout the entire segment that the main character played by is Anna Paquin. Yeah, yeah. That she is going to lose her virginity on this night. And that's the whole, like, buildup of this entire segment of, you know, I've been saving myself, you know, I'm going to give it away tonight, et cetera, et cetera. And this segment, like, really drags out through the entire movie. Yeah. Like, because the way these segments work is they keep cutting in and out of each other. And this whole buildup is about you thinking she's going to lose her virginity. And it ends up that she's not losing her virginity. She's actually a werewolf. 
and she's about to kill her first victim that night. Uh, what did everybody think about this segment? I actually like this segment. I think it's a really cool setup, and I think it's an awesome surprise. Yeah, yeah. I would say the only thing I didn't like is the fact that the person she kills, it's already enough, like, I felt like it was already enough of a surprise that she was a werewolf, but I thought with the person that she kills is the teacher from an earlier segment, I thought that was just a little too much surprise. It was, like, too much to deal with. There's, like, too much cross-connections between all the characters yeah. throughout this movie. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I, that's well, I, feel I like, felt, too. I feel like we had to kind of go back and just explain another one for the audience, at least. Um, I'm going to pull a Zach Morris and call a timeout. And uh, <laughs> we're going to go back to another segment um, just to kind of give reference to this werewolf one. Um, we have this one segment. We see this uh, heavier set kid walking down the street. He's pushing pumpkins on the ground. Oh, I like this kid, by the way. Oh, this kid's great. It's the kid from Bad Santa. Um, and he's walking around. He's pushing down pumpkins. And he goes to take some candy off this guy's porch. It ends up being his principal. His principal has this talk with him. Uh, his principal gives him a piece of candy that has some kind of poison in it. It ends up killing the kid, and he throws up. And... The most chocolate oh, of all time. I don't like it's it's chocolate blood. and blood. It's like chocolate it's, no, blood. It's chocolate and blood. It's, <laughs> it's bloody chocolate. It's pretty gross, and the effects look pretty good. But uh, he ends up killing the kid, and then he goes to bury him in the backyard. And while he's burying him in the backyard, you find out that the principal also has a kid, and this kid's yelling for him, like, Daddy, Daddy, come help me carve the pumpkin, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> If we make some caramel apples, just like Grandpa used to. How about that? When? After we carved the jack-o'-lantern. Um, then we got some humor. Some humor thrown into the movie where he's trying to bury yeah. his body. I think that's the only part where this movie gets kind of lost. Is like it gets like the the principal segment's the only part that's like kind of funny. Yeah. The entire yeah. movie. Yeah. It's I very... wish it was kind of. I wish it was kind of scattered, like you know, sprinkled throughout the entire movie, rather than just like this standalone segments the funny one and then the rest of them are pretty like i'll give you that yeah scary serious mm-hmm. you know yeah and then uh he talks to his neighbor brian cox which we get to in a later segment his kids still yelling at him from the window you know come help me with the eyes blah blah, blah. principal ends up going inside and you kind of get like this feeling that the principal is going to kill his yeah. son and that's yeah, what they're yeah. trying to give and i actually yeah. i couldn't remember i've seen this movie before, yeah i couldn't the, remember i couldn't remember the, the mom i think and you're like kind of led to believe that he maybe killed the mom yeah exactly and then you're like Thinking he's going to kill the kid, he's visibly, like, annoyed. You can tell he's very annoyed with this kid, and you think when he's coming down the car with the pumpkin that he's actually going to stab his kid. Which they do. He does stab. He, he stabs, and you're kind of like, what did he just stab? And then it zooms out, and it's the heavier set kid's head, and he's helping the little boy carve Which is the so eyes. dark. It's a very dark scene. Well, this, like, this movie has a lot of those, like, extremely dark, like, kid scenes. Once again, I'm going to bring it back to why it should have been a kid's horror movie. But anyways, um, no, it gets really dark when he was, uh, like, basically trying to kill that kid in the grave. Like, that kid's in the grave, and Brian Cox is trying to talk to him, and he's, like, stepping on his face. <laughs> the noises the kid it, makes. It's, yeah, it's, like, it's so dark, and you're just, and like... And that's what I kind of oh, like man. about it, because you don't know if you should be laughing. You're like, this is a kid. You're like, this yeah. is really dark, and you kind of laugh, and you feel bad for laughing. Well, you but... can see where they get away with it, because it's, like, in a bag, and it's, like, again, you know it's a kid, but they never yeah, say yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. But again, like, in the, the intro sequence, or, like, the introduction, like, uh, of the movie, plus this, there's already, like, a lot of funny stuff that's happening, so you're yeah. led to believe that this movie is just gonna be kind of like a funny horror movie. Yeah, that's just true. Yeah, that's true. But that's pretty much where the humor ends. Yeah. 
But that's the end of that segment. Um, we see him helping the kid carve the, the kid's head. Not his head, but the other kid's head. How would he carve he, his own head? <laughs> Goddamn kid, you're trying to fuck with me. <laughs> no, um, so now to go back, time in, Zach Morris style. Oh, we've been time out the entire time? Yeah, time out the entire oh, time. Oh, shit. So going back to the whole virginity werewolves one, Anna Paquin, the person she kills happens to be the teacher from that previous segment. I mean, he, he dressed up like a vampire, which like I don't know why he does. Vampire, yeah. fan of the opera Well, what he guy. does is throughout this parade that they're walking through, there's this vampire killing people. So you're like, oh, okay, they're kind of mixing up this vampire thing. And you find out it ends up being the teacher. And he's, he's not a vampire. He has fake teeth the entire time. And it's kind of cool. I like the twist that you find out it was the teacher that she gets to kill for the first time. But it just felt... I know, I liked it. It was I, kind of out of nowhere. I wish it was kind of just like a vampire character, not like the principal. Yeah. You know, it yeah. just felt kind of out. Like, the principal story should have ended and then go on to the next story. That's why I'm saying, like... There's too much like cross connectivity with all these characters, like. But I think that's I like that. It trust. should have been like the back, like what they've been doing with the the two, like the opening couple. They should just have them, you know, these characters kind of subtly in the background. You know, you don't really, you kind of like catch them and they're gone, and then just have like the story focus on these characters. Like, don't have like the principal be like another character in a different story. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah, well, I, like, I felt like. This is, sounds kind of dumb, but I feel like this was like too much killing for one person on one night. Like the fact that he's gonna kill two kids and he's like, "All right, well, I'm gonna go dress up in my vampire costume and go I, see if I can yeah. kill people on the streets." Like it was like too much for this one character. He's almost playing like one. two characters in one movie, basically. Yeah, it and felt like that's yeah, why I, that. that's why I didn't like that surprise as much. I love the werewolf surprise, yeah. but like as far as yeah. him being the vampire, I thought that would have been cooler if he was an actual vampire. Yeah, or just have like a different character that is a vampire, like a masked vampire. Yeah, whatever, yeah, and not let it be the principal. Like let the principal's story end were ended, you know. Yeah, because it ended on a it ended on a cool yeah. creepy note. But I feel like He's everything. His kid how to be a serial killer. Everything gets kind of wrapped up too much in this movie. Yeah. Like, every, like everything. I don't even think there's any questions at the end of this movie. Everything just gets wrapped up. Yeah, for the most part. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about what everything about the transformation scene of the werewolves. It was pretty impressive, it was I cool. think. It's a cool scene. This is something I've never really seen before. Basically, what we have is all these werewolves in the middle of the woods over a campfire. Instead of your traditional, like, transforming, bones are popping into werewolves... Like they're literally physically tearing off their skin and revealing yeah. their werewolf. Yeah, and it looks really cool. I've Say, never for, seen anything like this for before. a movie that was uh, originally supposed to be theatrically released and was a, like a DVD uh, release instead. Like it's pretty impressive. Like the special effects and stuff. It yeah. looks really good. And um, I think that has a lot to do with Brian Singer produced it yeah. of X Men fame and Michael Daughtry wrote and directed it and i know he's done other things but i mean yeah you got a you got a pretty decent cast and big names you got a big director uh big producer and it seemed like it did have a good budget like, like no yeah the werewolf transformation was really cool i, I expected it to look bad when it was starting i was like oh it's gonna look so bad and it looks pretty good it's, i have seen it in other things before what and, the, the, taking the skin off yeah what? uh van helsing it's the same. I know it's so obscure that I would bring that up. We but don't like, talk about Van Helsing on this podcast. But that transformation is actually from Van Helsing. Really? Yeah. yeah that's a shame. But it's, it's not as gory or violent. It's CGI, and it's kind of lame. They said that okay. all the werewolves in the film were created by um, the same studio that did like all the Lycans in the Underworld trilogy. Oh, so really? Kind of like the style of the werewolves kind of looked the same. Okay. Oh, so the they might have just been the same thing then. They might have just been like the so same. So it's an Underworld. It's, it takes place in the same universe. It's the same universe. <laughs> so many. Twists and turns. <laughs> okay, so we'll go ahead and skip on to uh, the next segment. Um, I call this one Bus. 
It was. <laughs> this one's a dark story. I'll, I'll break this down real quick. What we have is three kids, and they're going around on a scavenger hunt. They show up through other of the segments. And we find out that what they're doing is they're collecting pumpkins for a sacrifice down at their local, like, reservoir lake yeah. type thing. But before this, they do stop at a house, which is actually quite funny. Oh, yeah, there's this great scene. <laughs> so they're going house to house, and they're trying to collect pumpkins for the sacrifice. And they stop at this one house, and there's an adult costume party. So basically what it is is the three kids are looking through the door, and they see these people dancing. Like, what's going on in there? And this one kid goes, I don't even know what that was. Coach Taylor was in a hot dog costume, but fucking a pig, I think. And then, that's just not. (laughs) It's a good line. But, uh... Fun trivia, the lady that opens up the door the in the cat costume, yeah, she's one of the werewolves in the, uh, and you see the hot dog guy. As oh, one of the really? What? Yeah. yeah. Where were, I didn't, I did not see her in the werewolf's kit. She, there was a lot of hot women I think, there. I think she's there in the background, but you see, remember the, I was laughing because the hot dog? Yeah. Because the hot dog guy was like, <laughs> they rolled over his corpse in the, yeah. in the forest or whatever. I think she was like, she brought him as like the the sacrifice or whatever really yeah huh. did not catch that why it's... is there a lot of teacher re- references in this movie too uh they're both like both it's those small, both small, those people town. there small was town. a coach it was a teacher and then the you're nitpicking was... it's small town no, no, no i just i small wanted town, to know... dude john mellencamp saw him it's a no, small town it's a small town but it was like all of these school civil story school age references <laughs> where it was like and then the the bus with the mentally handicapped kids like there's always like everyone's job in this movie was working for the school it's fine. Yeah. No, I'm not. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm just. Does anybody else notice this? Like, is yeah, there a, you're. Re- was I, there a point to it? Like, I want to see else... your notes on this movie. No, you're did anybody else to... notice it though? I don't know. It's a small town, dude. Small oh, story. Forget it. Jack and Diane. Next, <laughs> next, next segment. All right. So basically, um, the kids are going down. They end up stopping at this one uh, kid's house who is like partially mentally handicapped. I didn't think, I think it was. Just, I think she's just weird. Really? Yeah, yeah. I think she's just socially awkward. I think they make a comment that she is mentally handicapped. That's just, don't they? I think that's just kids being just kids. Just kids being oh, kids. Well, they yeah. call her an idiot savant, so I don't okay. know. I don't know. Well, anything. whatever. Regardless, they pick her up, and then they pick up another friend, too, and they go down to this Reservoir Lake type thing. And then we get into quarry. this whole... It's a quarry. <laughs> they call it quarries. It's okay. It's not a big deal. I know. What's a, what the hell is a Reservoir Lake? I don't know. It's a quarry. Okay, it's a quarry. Was okay. It? I thought you were gonna stop me because you had something like Uber. Like it's important, guys. I just figured out the movie I saw. <laughs> I figured out why everybody's... schools and quarries—they're all connected. I figured so out why it... everybody's job was at a school. Okay, so they go down to the Corey Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> so then they go down to this quarry, and they go into this whole flashback scene. And this is such a dark scene. Oh yeah. First of all, this flashback is kind of cool because this is the only time in this entire movie where we see daylight. Oh, yeah. And it really stands out. Susan starts, you're like, oh. And I realized it watching it. I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is, let me make sure I got the story right. So if I'm wrong, correct me on it. But all these parents paid this bus driver to chain their mentally handicapped kids to their seats in their bus and then drown them in the quarry. I'm pretty sure, yeah. That's what it is. Okay, that's a very yeah. dark story. Yeah. The main girl in that group talks about how, like, the, the parents gathered up all their money and gave it to the bus driver. It's such and, a know, dark story. It's pretty intense. It yeah. re- really yeah. is. 
So then we get this whole flashback. See, these guys really fucking hate kids in this movie. They like, do. Or like the you know the makers of the movie. They just absolutely hate kids. Well, I mean. maybe that's the whole thing. Going back to our previous conversation at the beginning, maybe this is like an anti-kids Halloween movie. Yeah. I mean, you're saying it should be for kids, but this maybe that's an anti-kids Halloween movie. This ain't your kids goosebumps movie. This ain't your kids goosebumps movie. Well, you know what? Movie. This reminded me of an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, but like a really, really well done Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. This one does, yes. And this is yeah. why it's the most entertaining one. It is. I mean, this yeah. one just like gets it right on every level. No, I agree. All right, so after this whole flashback scene, we find out that's why they're bringing these pumpkins for the sacrifice to make like peace with the dead. I guess. Of, I guess. Of these kids that drowned years and years ago. Then they play this whole prank on the girl that was... Which is Rhonda, I think is her name. Rhonda, yeah. The yeah. girl that's dressed like the witch, who's who they call an idiot or whatever. And they play this prank that the kids are coming back from the dead and they're killing everybody. And... It, it terrifies her. She's mortified by it. Um, slams her head on a rock. Slams her head on a rock. I thought she died right there. When I first saw it, I was like, she's dead. So once we found out it's a prank, then the kids actually do come alive um, that were drowned, and they start killing off the kids one by one. That I don't understand. It's like why the like kids were killing off the kids. Yeah. Like, they had no beef against them, I guess. I don't know. That's what, yeah, I agree. I don't see what the thing was. and the uh, The witch ends up getting away. She um, leaves them to die, basically. She leaves them to die. Do you think the kids deserve to die? No, not at all. They're kids. I don't leave anyway. Um, you know what, though? I, okay, so a couple creepy cool things about this, though. I creepy really cool. like... Creepy our, cool, guys. It's our, hey, it's a new segment called <laughs> Creepy Cool creepy with cool. Matt. <laughs> all right, Creepy Cool. When the uh, kid, the girl's going down the elevator, and they got those ja- jack-o'-lanterns out in the fog... And they're just slowly disappearing, and you hear them scream. I thought it was a really cool. Scene. That's yeah. really yeah. cool. Looking scene. And it was a really yeah. cool, like, just cinematography, and it was just creepy. And I was like, even with the creepy the, uh, cool. in the, the <laughs> creepy cool, creepy cool. <laughs> I'm gonna get to another creepy cool moment. <laughs> <in the same laughs> as well. So stay tuned. Creepy cool scenes. <laughs> I'm sorry, what were you gonna say? Uh, even the shot of the uh, in the flashback where it shows the bus driving off the cliff. Yeah, like even that was, that was cool. like pretty pretty yeah. awesome looking. Yeah. Now there's yeah. a lot of really good shots in this segment. It's almost kind of comes across. As somebody else directed this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's scary. And that's it, man. It's scary. <laughs> that's that's, that's the only reason why. It's, it's scary. scary. <laughs> it's scary. You know what I do like about this segment is the fact that they threw this little elevator in there. I know it's not much. Like yeah. You could have easily had some, like, stepping stones down to the Corey Matthews or whatever. <laughs> but... <laughs> they, <laughs> I heard that that time. <laughs> All right, good. Um, but the elevator adds so much. I don't know what it was. I like got one just, little thing. It's old and it's old slow elevator. moving and everything. Like, yeah, and I think it adds so much when the witch is going up the elevator at the end and leaving everybody there by oh, themselves. Yeah. And then when she comes to the top by herself... It's a really cool shot of her coming out of the elevator, and you take all this fog. And yeah. Just well, this part this is here's my my second creepy cool moment of this segment. Oh, please. Uh, when she's walking away, and you can hear the kids like screaming down. Yeah. And you can, it's kind of, it it is really like messed up because you know the. It's kids really are creepy. That's it's the- really creepy because it totally puts this visual in your head without having to show it. So you're like, oh my god, they're getting torn to pieces down. That's there. what it yeah. sounds like, and it yeah. sounds like that, and it's really creepy. But it's not kind of cool. But it's just kind of creepy. creepy. <laughs> this story, I was like, generally surprised that they were like killing off the kids. I was Pretty too. Gruesomely, and seems. I think that's why they did it is because you wouldn't think they would. Yeah. And then when you, it does happen, you're like, wow, this isn't your daddy's goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I love that line. <laughs> um, and then at the very end, and there's something I forgot to bring up earlier. 
that there is one big thing that's tied into all these segments, and that's this character, Sam. And Sam's kind of like the icon of this movie. He's on the front cover. Basically, it's probably like a 9-year-old, 10-year-old looking kid. Uh, wears like an orange jumpsuit and has like a knapsack. It's like almost his... like a burlap sack. Yeah, like... like a burlap sack over his head with some button eyes. And he shows up in each one of these segments at the end, just kind of hanging out, not really doing much. Just kind of observing the the people. Yeah, pretty much. Just kind of, yeah, observing is a perfect way to put it. Um, he plays a much bigger role in our next segment, which I call The Neighbor. And oh, <laughs> oh, this, dun, is, dun, a, dun. this yeah. is a good title. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I thought a lot about like this. this. Uh, basically, what this is is... The neighbor, played by Brian Cox, is the neighbor to the school principal earlier in the movie. And it kind of, um, like, ties backwards, like, the neighbor's perspective of, like, what he's doing. In yeah, this. exactly. Because earlier you got a perspective from the principal of what was going on in Brian Cox's house. And now you're getting vice versa. And you see that it happened at the exact same timeline. Uh, basically what it is, um, there's not too much to this story, at least at the beginning. Uh, Brian Cox is just a cranky old man. Um, he doesn't really seem like he's a big fan of Halloween at all. Um which I don't know why he'd be handing out candy in the first place. If did he, he hand out candy? I don't know. I just kind of thought he did. Or did he just he, open the door and he, stare at him? No, he, uh, the, <laughs> those, uh, <laughs> the first group of kids, they, uh, <laughs> has the, one of the kids has the best reaction of all time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right, right, yeah. Yeah. Brian, the dog chases him. So yeah. Brian Cox maybe does like Halloween because he puts some, like, glowing eyes on his dog. It's like a mask, I think. It's like a mask, yeah. and he stand. the dog's in the house, and it looks like a wolf from a distance. And these kids freak out. Dog runs and chases him away. This kid has the best reaction. I can't even reenact. I mean, you just have to see it for yourself. Like, this kid put 100% of his heart into the scene. This and kid deserved an Oscar. He does. He does. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to see if maybe we can get him reinstated into okay, the, yeah. to next year's Do you want to nominate him for the, this round of Oscars? I don't know. I was kind of hoping it would, man. So, <laughs> but, uh, so Brian Cox is kind of a miserable old man. Um and then this icon Sam shows up, and pretty much just icon, icon, icon Sam, icon, icon Sam, Sam. <laughs> Toucan Sam Toucan shows up. Sam. <laughs> it's his brother Icon <laughs> from Milwaukee. <laughs> Milwaukee. <laughs> um, so Sam shows up and pretty much just torments Brian Cox for the entire segment. Yeah, for um, a piece of candy. Pretty gruesome too. It, it, yeah, there's some pretty gruesome. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't, I don't understand what the motives are for this character. Well, just kind of jump ahead and we'll go back. We find out later on in this segment that Brian Cox was the bus driver on the earlier story that drowned the mentally handicapped kids in the river. And I'm kind of thinking Sam was kind of there to get revenge. That was He's my kind thing. of like uh, the facilitator, I guess, of... The, the moderator? The moderator? Yeah, he's, he's, like the, the, yeah. he's like the Chris? He's like the Chris of Halloween's. Okay. I okay. see it. Yeah. Right, I like yeah. that. Let me, okay, so this entire uh, segment reminded me of Creepshow. It reminded me so much of the cockroach segment from Creepshow. Like an old pissed off guy trapped inside of his whatever his living area. And there's something that's tormenting him the entire time. Like it was so like so much like. Oh, it, it really is. Yeah. yeah. When you really break it down. Yeah. It, like I was watching. I was just like, man, it really just reminds me of it like so much. It really does. It still works though. I mean, everything gets inspiration from something else. Yeah. I'm sure Creepshow, if we would have watched movies, you know. Easy Comics. Yeah, Easy Comics. I mean, yeah, everything's an inspiration for comics. So yeah. I don't really call it like a ripoff or anything. No, but, it's not a ripoff, but I just. Well, no, if you didn't vibe. like it, just call it out right now. No, because like uh, the guy in Creepshow hated bugs and he hates Halloween. He hates. Yeah, Bugs Halloween, man. No, and like, um, yeah. 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 Did anybody yeah. think the creature yeah. looked like Pumpkinhead? 
Well, well, since you just brought that up, I kind of wish they didn't show... They, they At one scene, Brian Cox tears off the uh, burlap sack off Sam's head, and we get to see his true self. And he looks like... It's like a deformed, like, pumpkin it head. Like, it looks like Jason Voorhees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looked real fake. It wasn't terrifying. I like the way like... it looks. I like the way it looks. Nah. But it's I, not too bad. I just wish it didn't show. Yeah, keep the... Yeah. I like the, the mystery. Like, who is this? Is it a normal person? Is or at least show, like, the, the mouth, not, like, the entire face. Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. yeah. Some because can't... we know this is a supernatural creature, because at one point, he's crawling on the oh, ceiling. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, what did... I don't, I don't know. I didn't need to see the face. I did like Brian Cox's character because he had like a no holds bar against. I was like, just gonna bring yeah. this fucking like like what everyone makes mistakes in horror, horror movies, movies where they don't yeah. like put the villain down or whatever you know like when they have the chance. Oh, he should. And he's right like, in the face. yeah, he's just like blasting him like left and right, like fucking puts like six shotgun shells. Like. Well, that's yeah, another. And no great... one hears it. Hey, everyone's, everyone's giant twelve gauge trick or treating. Everyone's, everyone's watching <laughs> nature documentaries, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> No, and actually, that brings up one of the funniest parts in the movie is when he shoots Sam in the face. We get like this wide shot. Oh, it's amazing! Sam sliding across the hallway. He's just not moving too. He's just <laughs> sliding. <laughs> it's like, and it's a great shot. And then Brian Cox just comes over and lays like four or five rounds. Yeah, into him. he's like shooting off his hand. Yeah. And, everything. and then we got this whole like Evil Dead thing with the hand and it's yeah. crawling around. Um, basically, we get to the end. Sam like lets Brian Cox go because Brian Cox has a Snickers bar. See, I was confused about that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that's his motive? Is because he didn't pass out candy that he's going to... That's I what I was thinking. I, you know what I thought it was? Is that the kids from the quarry called up Sam and were like, we got this one. We're on our Let way. Let it go. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to uh. take this chocolate bar and I'm going to leave. And I think that's what kind of was. <laughs> I'm going to dip set. I'm going to dip set. Yeah. I can see it. I can see it. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> so he leaves and then you think Brian Cox's character pretty much like lives. Oh, yeah. It's like kind of like a... It was kind of like a test to see if he like believes in Halloween. Yeah, that's Which how he obviously does, yeah. you know. And like at one point, we see Brian Cox handing out candy. He's all bandaged up, and he looks across the street, and Sam's staring at him. And then Sam just walks away. I, I kind of wish they just kind of like did a casual wave, like "Thank you, like, I, need, <laughs> I needed this." Yeah. <laughs> I love you. Goodbye. <laughs> and I never saw Sam again. <laughs> but no. Um, I, I thought they were kind of like letting him live, like you know he learned his lesson for what he did all those years ago. Well, he's got to live with it. That's like, what I was thinking. Like, yeah, he's got to live with what he did. This ain't your daddy's goosebumps movie. So goosebumps. This ain't nigh living dummy. And then um, doorbell rings. Brian Cox answers it, and it's the kids from the quarry, and they bum rush him. And <laughs> is that funny? No, is that because yeah, it makes it sound like one of them bum yelled bum rush. Like, bum rush! Go <laughs> after his butt! <laughs> so they, uh... <laughs> you can't kill all of us! <laughs> That's what it is. Oh, man, we gotta start... That's <laughs> good. Okay. So they all rush in, and then it cuts to the comic book form like it did with the intro credits. And we see Brian Cox's character dying, being and, torn up. Yeah, comic book form, I guess. Yep. Yeah. And that is Trick or Treat. Okay, really quick, what did you guys think of... Think of, of the intro. <laughs> what did you guys think of the credits? No. Uh, as far as the broken up segment, because this isn't a traditional anthology movie. There are stories, but there are like shorter stories, but they all kind of overlap on each other. Yeah. So what do you guys think of that format? Do you like it better, or do you like it broken into actual segments? I wish it was broken up a little bit better. Uh, I've seen this movie quite a few times. and This was- week... 
No. No. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I didn't notice it before until tonight, but it's kind of distracting, like, in the beginning, because it, like, kind of goes from the principal uh, story to the girl story to, like, the kids, and it's kind of jumping back and forth a little too much for me. I yeah. did all right. I, I wasn't lost it, it got all. It got a little bit better when it got to the, the, the bus segment. Yeah. Where it, was, like, just focused on that. Just the segment. Yeah. yeah. And then, but, like, in the first probably 30 minutes or so, it's just jumping away too much for me, and it was kind of distracting. Like, it's not your typical, like, anthology movie where it's just, like, you got your wraparound intro, story, 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 and then end cap with the uh, wraparound story. But in this movie, it was kind of just jumping around from story to story throughout and then gets into the wraparound story. Yeah, it's almost like it, like, it starts the story off. Then goes to finish off another story, and then comes back yeah. to that story to finish that story yeah. off. Then and there's like up only, and there's one. like it's, only a couple minutes left in that story, yeah. so it's like, why don't you just finish it off? Basically, well, and I think that what the reason why they did that was to say like how are all these characters are all intertwined. Yeah, and I think that's I was thinking about it too. Like you know, it's just kind of like intertwining all the characters and like um, sprinkle them throughout the entire basically movie. Yeah, and I think it would be cooler as a second viewing to uh find out these characters are involved in like in the backgrounds of these stories yeah, you know what i mean like i yeah. think that would have been a lot cooler than yeah. just like telling us just that these in characters passing are basically not directly involved per se well, yeah, see, that's why i like it as it is it's an 82 minute movie there's no bullshit in this movie it's not added stuff for no reason it's like here's what's happening there's no backstory on any of this here's what you got and i lo- and i like that i like the fast pace of the intertwined i think it it really works for me i I really enjoy hey, it. Hey, as long as it works for you, it works for me. Uh, all right, cool, man. All right, well. <laughs> call, call you old man. I know, I said that's cool, man. That's cool, old man. That's cool, old man. That's cool, Brian Cox. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now we're going to do our Cinema Cult survey, where we go around the room and we give our one sentence review, and we decide whether or not we would recommend it. Matt, we're going to go ahead and start off with you this week. Overall, it's not scary, but I would recommend it for horror fans because it's, it's made by horror fans. But I do wish it was a horror kids movie. Or a kids horror okay. movie. Not a horror kids, because that sounds just... So you do recommend it? Yeah, I'll recommend it. Okay. I think there, I think it's got awesome visuals in it, and it's uh, some decent storytelling in there. Yeah. Okay. Hanta? Uh, for a direct-to-DVD movie, uh, this is a very original anthology horror movie, and I would definitely recommend it. Okay. And uh, as for myself, uh, it's probably maybe the third or fourth time i've seen it and it's a it's a good viewing i mean it's enjoyable it's not boring at all um like, like you said it's very original i would definitely recommend it i say it's a pretty solid uh halloween movie to watch i would say it's a very solid movie yeah i oh. know it yes we Touché. didn't touch on that Touché. we didn't touch on it i forgot to bring this up but i really think this like really captures that halloween mood like throughout the yeah. entire thing with the music like it was like piano music and like the leaves falling and the orange glow off everything it really helps me get to the halloween movie and watching this movie and I, there was nowhere to bring that up in any of the segments. No, that's so. fair enough. No, it's a, it's no, a good thing to point out. No, it's a good thing to point out. I thought that's what this movie did really well with. No, I agree. Okay, and now for our Cinema Cult Genre Breakdown. All right, this week's Genre Breakdown again is anthology films. Uh, let's go ahead and start this off with recommending some anthology films that did it better than this one. Hanto, we'll start off with your recommendations. Uh, I mean... There aren't a lot of, like, non-horror anthology music I can really think of. Creepshow would be my go-to. It's just, a, like, a classic, pretty much. 
And Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Yeah, I was waiting for it, man. <laughs> Never saw Moonwalker. Really? Yeah. It's just like basically a compilation of music videos. Well, then I'm going to throw in the Kanye West music video for Twisted Dark Fantasy that he did. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to throw in a And I'm going to throw in... <laughs> there's a story with that. That Alien Ant Farm video. Sweet Colonel? <laughs> and I'm going to throw in Led Zeppelin's fourth album. Godzilla? Yep. <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> All right, Matt, do you have any recommendations? Uh, a couple. Um, you recommend a couple? I recommend a couple. Creepshow is an absolute. It's like the king anthology movie. It just gets everything right. Uh, two random ones I'd recommend would be one called Black Sabbath. It's from the 60s. Don't, I don't think I've seen it. Uh, Mario Bava did it. He did Black Sunday. Okay. Um, that's a really cool anthology movie. And uh, Heavy Metal. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it counts. It's an anthology movie. It's an animated anthology movie, but... I don't know. I don't know if I count Heavy Metal. I don't metal. even count Fantasia. Because Fantasia is almost like an anthology movie because it's all these stories wrapped around these songs. Well, then I guess it kind of gets to the question... With, with no interconnection. So what makes an anthology? Man, so not. Well, let me answer my question real quick, okay. but I think... I, I hate to go with the crowd, but of course I'm going to say Creepshow. Creepshow yeah. is the ultimate anthology. Um, I'm really prone to the the '80s version of the Twilight Zone movie. Yeah, it's I good. Really yeah, like it's really movie. good. No, it does. It does all yeah, the way through. It does it good. Um, and like you said earlier, Hunt, there's not a lot of anthologies that aren't horror. Um, another one that pops to my mind that isn't horror is Four Rooms. Yeah, yeah. Um, a it's couple not of really, segments it's, are good. It's an anthology. Yeah, it's yeah. four separate stories. Yeah. Because we were talking before we started recording that we'd all agreed that Pulp Fiction is an anthology. I would think so, but. Uh, there are sources saying that it isn't. It's called a like a hyperlink cinema is what it's considered. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that's a made up genre for the. Yeah, internet, I'm not. Gonna, I've never but I, yeah, I don't know. I've never no, heard I, of hyperlink cinema. I saw that article too because like I I consider it an anthology. Well, what would be the difference between Trick or Treat and Pulp Fiction? What makes Trick or Treat an anthology and Pulp Fiction isn't? Sam isn't in there. That's <laughs> right. You nailed it. <laughs> I don't think there's any difference between the two. I think that they're both basically the same movie. Yeah, I mean, well, I think yeah. The skeleton for Pulp Fiction well, yeah, is the skeleton for Trick or Treat. You got like a story that opens it up, opens a movie up, like an anthology movie up, and then you got a bunch of vignettes or stories mm-hmm. sprinkled throughout the movie, and you have it bookend with the opening, basically. I mean, that's what basically Trick or Treat does. Yeah, that's also what Pulp Fiction does. Yeah, in Creepshow. Creepshow too. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. These are all anthologies. basically Creepshow has the comic book the kid reads, and the stories are from this comic book, and it brings it back to the end where he gets the what is it, the voodoo doll? Yeah. At the end, and mm. basically kills his dad. Yeah. Well, let's okay. Since they don't consider Pulp Fiction an anthology, are there any movies that you two think that the public normally wouldn't consider an anthology? Now that you have had this like door open for you, that you would say, oh wow, I guess that's an anthology as well. Wouldn't. Sin City be considered yes. anthology. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, I yeah, can't remember. It. I know you know you got your stories, but is there a bookend? Like bookends? Like what's? I can't remember what the beginning and ending are like for Sin City. Either can I, Matt? Uh, it's the same thing. I mean, it's uh, something. It's Bruce Willis's story starts it off, and then oh, three stories, and then okay. Bruce Willis's story finishes. It's the last story. Okay, or is then, it two stories? I can't remember. Well, his opens up with the him. Like years before his story happens, yeah, and then it bookends with him, his story. Yeah, ending, yeah, that's an anthology. Yeah, I can yeah. really consider. I'm that. sorry, it's yeah. I think it's only three stories, right? Yeah, yeah, three stories. Yeah. So let me go ahead and ask another question, just kind of leading off that. 
a lot of the movies we've talked about this evening as far as anthologies so far aren't very big movies. Uh, given, like, you know, Sin City did pretty good. Pulp Fiction's obviously, you know, a classic. But it doesn't seem like the public really likes anthology films. There's never been a huge anthology film. Why do you think they're not bigger than they should be? Um, I think... Okay, there's a couple problems that happen with anthology movies. I think a big problem with anthology movies is when you have a bunch of different directors and writers doing their own segments and then trying to build something out of that. VHS does this, and it messes up in a bad way. Where you have, like, really great ones and then really bad ones. And it kind of forces it... And because it's horror, it forces it straight to the VOD line. Um, Creepshow was a big one. Twilight Zone was a big one. These are big. They're not huge, though. I, yeah, I just, they're not huge. I don't think a lot of people, you know, ran around like, did you see Creepshow? I just don't... I think it's might be because it's like it's a TV show. I mean, in a way, it's like you're watching 20-minute episodes of something, and it's like, why don't they just make a TV show? You would think with today's generation that anthologies would be huge. Even going back to the days of MTV, because you had these three- to four-minute music videos that were like short films. Yeah. So it shortens audience attention spans. Like an ADHD kind of thing. Yeah, and now even today with YouTube... You know, everything is boom, 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 three-minute video, 20-second video. Vines are, what, five-second videos? Yeah. yeah. And they're just shorter and shorter, and you think anthology films would be huge right now. And the only ones I can think of that you just already brought up is VHS. VHS is, like, the really only anthology that's came out in the past couple years. Um, I think another big problem with this, like, kind of shorter aspect of a storytelling, whether it be a short film or a music video or an anthology movie, is... 10, 20, 30 minutes is not enough time for you to invest your interest into a character and your emotional attachment into a character. Like before you uh, ha even have time to like even start liking a character or its story, it's done. Yeah, basically. yeah. before they even get in the danger where you're just like, uh, okay. Like, all right, I didn't So you're saying anything. that's what turns audiences off. Yeah, I think that's but, what okay, I mean. Okay, but you can't really argue that because you have hit shows like Tales from the Crypt and Twilight Zone. These were huge shows, and people seem to... I mean, those are the exact same things as an anthology, just separated. How do you explain that? Uh, well, I mean, they're they're from different times. I think what got Tales from the Crypt, though, is the violence. How how the extremes it went to on that show. And I think that's what had, had everybody tuned in every week. And I think that's why this is a horror aspect, too. Is because it's... Horror's got such a uh, following of, like, okay, what's the monster gonna be you know no i agree well it's not actually like it's more for horror fans like tales of crypt doesn't really scare anybody it's more for like horror fans to be like okay what's the monster this week what's don't this say didn't scare anybody scene? that's scared okay, the I'm, hell I'm out not, of us I'm not, yeah, but i'm not terrifying. saying like yeah their goal on the show wasn't to scare people their goal on the show was to kind of, i mean it was a hbo show is kind of pushing the the boundary of violence yeah. that's know? the real but, first show but that... telling it in an anthology sort of format yeah and that's kind of what American Horror Story is doing now, but I think they mostly fail for the most part. Yeah. Really? I do. I, I really uh, do. I think it's so well done. I just think by by the time I'm done with the season, I don't give a shit about that series at all. Mm -hmm. Like, it starts off interesting, and then just gets too convoluted for my taste, and then just totally loses my... Like, so you it. think... So then that. you're saying that... Because that's kind of in the middle between an anthology and a regular TV show. Oh, yeah. Now, would you are you saying that it would work better as a series with just those characters or just like half an hour episodes like a Tales from the Crypt type thing? I'd rather see it as sort of like short vignettes, like short stories pretty much, rather than like trying to tell one long story over the course of 
24 episodes or whatever. But at the same time, you're going to be doing just another Tales of the Crypt season or sh- type show. But you know, So you're not breaking any ground if you do it that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, and then, and I, I see what you're saying. I really like American Horror Story. I think it's one of the best shows on right now. But there are like two or three episodes where I feel like it's just a lot of filler. And like yeah. You're stretching it out too long. That's, and that happens towards the end of the seasons where it's just lots of filler. Like, especially with Neil Patrick Harris, like, coming in the last episode, pretty much, and the most recent season, the, yeah. the Freak Show one. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, no, but to answer your question earlier, you said, what uh, what about Twilight Zone? Why does Twilight Zone work? Yeah. And I think, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier about generations generations viewing experiences. Um, I think our viewing, their, our viewing experience at that point was in the 50s and 60s was a lot longer so and there i mean that was like the time of the anthologies you know like it was radio anthologies in the 30s 40s up to twilight zone uh thriller there's a show called thriller back then um and there's all these anthology shows that are in that kind of quadrant of uh time and maybe it's maybe it is just the i mean these shows tend to burn out too I wouldn't. I mean, maybe recently, yeah. But I've been rewatching Twilight Zone recently, and it's a fucking solid ass show. No, it is. It's a solid ass show. Like, it's just back to back episodes are awesome. Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock, yeah. That's that's one. yeah. Now, see, why um, do why do you think these shows they burn work? out towards the end? I think. Like, well, yeah, you're gonna burn out because I mean, think about it, Twilight Zone was on for well over a hundred episodes, yeah, yeah. and that's a hundred solid short stories. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let me ask you this then. So, you have a two and a half hour movie. I'll say, I'll use this as an example. I'll use the movie Seven. So, you got this character development throughout this whole movie. You're following these characters. Then you have this twist at the end as well, which I don't want to say for those who haven't seen it. But when you see this twist, you're completely blown away and it completely changed the way you've seen this film. Now, when you watch Twilight Zone, it's like 24, 25 minutes and you still get that same feeling minus the character development. Why is Twilight Zone working? on the same level as Seven when it really shouldn't. Um, I, maybe audiences just got used to it. I mean, like, think about it. You sit down and watch any short segment, any short film, and it's basically like a joke. You're waiting for the punchline. You're waiting for the punchline. And there's all this buildup because you know there's going to be a twist at the end of this thing. And it's kind of like the same problem happened with M. Night Shyamalan movies. It, everyone always expected a twist, and then when the twist would happen, they didn't like it. And they're just like, oh, well, yeah, because I knew a twist was coming. And maybe it's because you the, the audience has gotten their viewpoint so trapped in knowing that there's a twist at the end that it just wasn't a surprise anymore. It wasn't enjoyable. It's like, yeah, I know. Oh, you're anticipating a twist. You yeah, know? and you're looking for what the twist is going to be throughout the entire episode. I don't think that it's because there is a twist. I think it's more the fact that it's just not a good twist. Yeah. I mean, that's the fun about watching Twilight Zone is what's the twist going to yeah, be. Yeah, there's always yeah. a twist. And that's the fun was with M. Night Shyamalan movies, at least those first three or four. I think it all comes down to writing. Oh, I think it does, too. Yeah, and, and, and that could be, a, it could, I mean, that could, it could be just that simple of an answer. It could just be writing. Yeah. Like, that's but it. But I, I just think there's going to be a difference because you're getting the same, at least in my, I, I could be completely wrong, and I don't speak for anybody, everybody when I say this, but you have like you know like a movie like Seven when you're investing to these characters for two hours, and you have Twilight Zone when you're investing to these characters for twenty minutes. Why am I getting the same reaction on both of these? It just that wouldn't make any sense. You know, you have more time invested in these other characters. You know what they like to eat or where they come from or who they're married to. You know, a lot of character development. 
Twilight Zone, you know nothing. You're just, bam, here's a story, here's a twist, you're done, bye. Well, well you also have a two-hour uh, two hour time frame to get to know the entire story with a movie, like a feature length, whereas in these TV shows, you only have 20 minutes tops, you know? Yeah. No, but I, I just think it, it really just comes down to writing, I think, because if you take an M. Night Shyamalan movie, 99.9% of the, the, the time, a Twilight Zone is going to have a better twist ending than an M. Night yeah. Shyamalan movie. Yeah. Like, guaranteed. I don't know. Have you seen Sixth Sense? Uh, <laughs> that's, no, I, I haven't. Mean, that's don't the, say that's, anything. That's, the, that's that, that one percentage. A lot of people give Shyamalan you know, a lot of crap for, you know, some of the movies he's made. But the twist in Sixth Sense is probably the best twist of all time. It's yeah. really, really good. It is. It's phenomenal. It really is. And he... And I'm not saying it's bad, but oh, just yeah. the movies that followed after that weren't really that great. Oh, I know. And it's a shame. I mean, I think he had four solid movies. I think Signs is really good. Yeah. Signs is either I hit think and miss for a lot of people. I think it's I, lame. Really? See, a yeah. lot of people either love it or hate it. I like The Village. Yeah, I haven't really seen yeah, it. Yeah, but I already know, like, the twist. Yeah. And I think, you know... And then... Uh, obviously, Unbreakable and Sixth Sense are perfect movies. Unbreakable, I had. Uh, I don't know if I can like go back and watch it. Really? Yeah. Unbreakable's I, a badass. Movie. Yeah, I watched I it not too long ago. It's it still holds up. Really? It's what did not like about it? I just I have a hard time like just watching his movies. You know, like just rewatching them. But I will give Unbreakable uh, that it is pretty fucking awesome when he like learns his abilities. You know? Oh yeah. And then accepts who he is. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's fucking badass yeah. as shit. Oh, there's yeah. so many great scenes in that movie. That movie's pretty cool. Well, you know what? In all honesty, and I think we should do this coming up here soon, is do a podcast on Shyamalan movies. And maybe we, I mean, down. we've all seen Sixth Sense and Breakable. Maybe we can watch the ones where people kind of say he declined. Yeah. And that way we can kind of compare his past to his present and really kind of dissect his career. I think it'd be kind of a fun that'd be kind of, No, that would be a cool one. I would do that. Um, I really want, because I haven't seen his new one. The one with Will Smith in it. The one that's supposed to be, like, got like 9% or on it. After Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's got two new ones coming out, and they're independent movies. Oh, man. And they're like, hush, hush. Yeah. Like, and... <laughs> because... Oh, dude, I, no, no, I was I, reading an interview I, with him, and he's like, "Yeah, he's like, I keep like, he's like, I'm writing comedy in it. And he's like, I'm afraid nobody's gonna get it. I mean, he's like, if they don't get it, I guess like, maybe I just failed. It was like the most like, <laughs> like the saddest interview. I was like, oh man. All right, we got a little off topic then, like Shyamalan, but like I said, a couple weeks we'll get into that. All right, and last question for the night: Why do you think anthology films are mainly horror related? You don't see too many non horror related anthology films. Hanta, what do you think? I would say, have you guys ever seen Run, Lola, Run? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that considered an anthology? I would consider it. Well, yeah, I guess it would be Kind of like different, it's, it's a different take on the whole anthology. It's like different versions of like, if she did this rather than this, you know. I would even say, just to kind of go on that lines, um, there's a movie that came out with Jack from Lost. Uh, what's his name? Oh, Vantage Point? Vantage Point. Yeah. That's kind of like an anthology. It's like... It's like it's different people's vantage points. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! It's spoiler. different viewpoints from different characters of this one instance. Stop. Rewind. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of like an anthology as well. I guess that's the way you look at it. I mean, I guess we're we're used to looking at anthologies as here's four different stories. Here's a fifth bonus story that's the wraparound that plays the beginning, and the end anthology. Yeah. I guess I mean like the run little run thing. I didn't even think about that. That's a really good example. I know, that's why I said it. That's cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Matt? Any examples? Um, I mean, there's there's New York, I Love You, and Paris J... Uh, was it Paris J... How about, like, J to May? How about, like, Valentine's Day or New Year's Eve? Valentine's Day, New, or, yeah, New Year's Eve. Um, I do, though, I want to see, now that we're talking about this, though, I do want to see 
anthology movies and see how they would do in other genres. Like, I would like to see, like, a Western anthology movie just to see how it would play yeah. out. Or, you know, like... I mean, I can't even think of a sci-fi besides heavy metal. No, no, sci-fi really. or Twilight Zone, I guess. Is sci-fi, Twilight but, Zone. Tales more the, like horror. Tales from the Dark Side. Is that that's a uh, horror? That's horror. That's more yeah. horror. Um, what was there was a, Outer Limits. Outer Limits is more sci-fi-ish. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a show back in the early '90s that was a spinoff of Tales from the Crypt that was all science fiction related. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Uh, the versions sh- of science. Versions of science. Yeah, yeah. Yep. We also had the. Uh, would you consider it Masters of Horror? The one on Showtime? That's about horror. What? Wait. Yeah, well, no. About science fiction or horror? Oh, sorry. So I, we're still talking about just... Uh, no, we're doing science fiction. Gotcha, gotcha, like, gotcha. Hey, guys, what about Masters of Horror? <laughs> like, no, yeah, they actually, man. They actually had um, Masters of Science Fiction, I think. Did it really? Yeah, they were, it was very like short later. I think it was like on CBS or something. Well, that's kind of neat. I actually would have watched that. But you know what? I'm not talking about it as like a TV show. I'm talking about it as like as a movie. Oh, because okay. they'd be forced to do like a wraparound story. Yeah. So like, I would like to see like what they could do with it, as far as like yeah. just mixing that idea with different genres. I just I don't know if it would work. I mean, okay. Like what? Go- oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say going back to like literature, you can easily take a book and throw ten different Western stories in there that all have the same theme, and you're gonna yeah. go. Mm-hmm. But as always, the golden rule is literature doesn't always mesh well into you know Cinema. the big yeah. screen. Yeah. So I don't know. Just I guess a lot of things don't translate well, and a lot of people I don't know if a lot of people would want to go see an anthology with four or five different Western stories. Um, Love Actually. There's one I totally didn't think about, but Love <laughs> Actually is like an anthology movie. It totally is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a pretty good anthology movie. Yeah. And like it oh, inter- it's actually one of the better ones. If you look yeah. At it it intersperses all oh, these so unrelated so characters and then relates them. I have like a handful of romance movies that I like, and that's definitely the best. For okay. Romance Week. For Romance Week. For Romance Week, we're doing romance movies. Yep. <laughs> Just in case you didn't pick up. We're delving into an era we've never delved into before, and that's romance movies. <laughs> It'll be interesting and romantic. All right, guys. <laughs> that's it, man. Okay, and just to kind of rehash over everything we've talked about now that we've looked on you know other anthology movies both horror and non-horror what did trick-or-treat do wrong that it wasn't a bigger success i mean obviously it was it's got shelved for a couple years for some reason unknown but why wasn't it bigger what did it do wrong horror movies are kind of a hard thing to get an audience for no that's a good call i agree 100 percent. i mean there's only like a couple horror movies that come out like every year you know well, I think and most of them are going to be video on demand or yeah. uh, direct to DVD or whatever. Yeah. Well, a lot of horror movies too. It depends on your audience. Like a lot of adults don't flock to the theaters for horror movies. Horror movies will always be. It's that teen. You it's know. yeah, it's a teen. And, and then and then you throw anthology on top of it, and then you're even getting you know kind of a lesser audience. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I feel like what it is too is horror movies like this though, where it's horror movie fans making it for horror movie fans. It's a bad idea. Because I think if you really want to draw attention to your movie... You gotta do something new and smart, kind of. Scary. I mean, yeah. you gotta make it scary. Because if you're not, if your effort is just to basically, you know, just make a horror movie and not make it scary, then... Just your uh, typical jump scares and everything. There's nothing, like, new about it. No. It's just the same shit over and over again. It's not scary. I think... Yeah, I, it's I, not a movie. I mean, it's a horror movie, but it's not nothing I was, like, really... Oh, man, like, terrified. No, and like I said, it's a horror movie for horror movie fans. It's cool for horror movie fans to watch and, like, praise, 
but not enough to like scare anybody outside of that at, even in that realm not anybody really i mean except maybe kids mm-hmm. but that's it and i think that's where it kind of fails it gets stuck in that video on demand phase which is weird when you think about it because you know this vod thing is somewhat new i mean it's only been around for a couple of years yeah but i guess is, is vod the new direct to video i think so yeah. yeah i think it's do you think that's a bad thing no i think it's actually it's gotten some praise i mean you see uh vod commercials where it would be like uh, jake gyllenhaal just had a movie that went straight to vod oh did he what so was that, it called that one with the double yeah the double or is it i think it's called the double i think it's yeah there's two movies that came out at the same time which I mean, look at it back in the day when you had direct to video it was embarrassing you know, people were like, oh, man, like, the it was really bad box movies. art and everything. Oh, oh it was man. horrible. The box art, it was the worst part about it. It just yeah. didn't even, like, attempt to sell it. It was yeah. like, we're not even going to try. Yeah. And now it's really good quality, and why do you think it's changed? Why is why is VOD or direct-to-video or direct-to-Netflix, whatever, why is this okay now? Why is this working? Nobody's going out to see movies anymore. It's getting too fucking expensive. Yeah, it's going, to get, go see movies? Yeah. I mean, you spend 10 bucks on a movie in your own living room. For like anybody who wants to watch it, and then for go to the movie few, theaters, few books or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah it makes me. I mean, if, you go if, to the, if the three theaters, of us get together, yeah, the three of us get together and rent a movie, it might cost what nine ninety five at the most nine ninety five. We each go in three or four bucks, whatever, and yeah. then if we go out, we're gonna buy popcorn, we're spending all this money, yeah. and all of a sudden we're spending almost forty bucks. And imagine yeah. if like an entire family goes out to like a family movie or something, oh, and they're paying yeah. just for the tickets alone, like a family of three, they're paying like thirty or forty bucks. Yeah, just go, just go into the movie. Yeah, it's not worth it anymore. Yeah, so no, we should do a whole. I'm gonna say this right now and state this into our history, into our future history. That doesn't make much sense, does it? You're making a huge impact right now. Okay, you're making a deep impact. <laughs> I'm, making a, I'm gonna make an Armageddon impact here on this, and I'm gonna say we do a whole podcast on why movie theaters are declining. Because I think we could talk about that forever. A lot of new movie theaters are reclining. Well, we can talk about it. There you go. Oh, man, that was good. That was good. No, we should do that. We have so much to talk about on here. And, of course, we got off topic tonight, but usually that's what Way happens. Off topic. <laughs> but regardless, we want to thank you for joining us here on Cinema Cult. We'll be back next week, though, when we review romance movies. Uh, we're actually going to watch the movie How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, and that is going to start off the conversation on romance movies. Uh, has anybody here seen this movie before? No. no. Okay, I have. But I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my opinions. And you're the one who picked it. I'm gonna keep my opinions to myself. I think it'll be a good conversation to start. All right. But uh, thank you for listening. Regardless, I'm Chris. I'm Matt. And I'm Honto. And thanks for listening to Cinema Cult. I would recommend it. I think that it is a horror movie made... It's a horror movie... Oh, fuck. That's right. It is a horror movie. Yeah, we did watch a horror movie. It's a movie that we watched... That has horror in it. All right! I'm ready! It has horror in it.